first foundational study uh, was such a, uh, a reminder that it is of God alone, by his grace, by his mercy, that I am made whole. It's a mystery, isn't it? Some of you who know me, you know of my shortcomings and my weaknesses, and yet I, I am never 
never in a, uh, I use the word shocked, but maybe that's what it does to me. But when I recognize the magnitude of God's love and his mercy to sinful man, it's an amazing thing. And immediately when we concentrate on the cross, because it is that instrument of death that brought the death of Christ as a payment, as a substitute for that penalty that had to be paid for my sin. And it is a magnificent study of the way God moves us out of the realm of ever thinking, when we get into Galatians, ever thinking that somehow I can reveal my goodness to God and bingo, I am saved. When it is so clearly given to us in the word of God that we are justified by faith alone, by Christ alone. And so we pick up where we left off and remember last time we were in Galatians uh, 2.20. And I uh, would like to just go back even a little bit uh, further. And um, uh, I'm going to rest, though, and uh, share with you my thoughts on uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 10 and ending in verse 14 today. However, I do want to go back a little bit and uh, just take a look at what has gone before us and uh, the importance of it in our thinking. This, this is a marvelous time for us to uh, examine the cross and the importance of the cross in a believer's life in this generation, so far removed from the, the period of history of the cross and the resurrection. But as believers, as even as last time we were in this, we were gathering around the table of the Lord being reminded of Christ's suffering on our behalf, of his paying the penalty, hanging on the cross where I should have been. And the Bible talks about me actually being involved in that death of the Savior. But just as I am involved in his physical death and dying for me, I enter into his resurrection as well. And so I go from deadness to life. And so we come to probably the most magnificent opportunities to reflect and memorialize the work of God for mankind through the cross. These are very special days for us. And it couldn't come at a better time because if you get caught up in the news, and if you get caught up in what's going on, whether it be with COVID or with economics or with just the backpedaling that has been taking place and the perversion that is going rampant in our nation, causing believers to be at first in shock and perhaps heartbroken, but then the reality of this matter of trust in our sovereign God comes into play and enables us to walk in the joy of our relationship to eternal God, our Father. 
and the joy of that relationship and the way it transforms our lives so that when we face the realities and the difficulties of, of this world and just normal living in our culture today, God undertakes in such a marvelous and a miraculous way and enables us to walk in the joy of our salvation. Why? Because in the believer's life, the Spirit of Christ dwells, enabling us through the, through the difficulties and through the, the anguish of situations. And yes, even in the trials of physical death, the dying of our bodies, to live in that express joy that God gives us through his presence in our lives and through our, the dilemmas of life and how we must go on because God has a purpose for the church in this day and age. And Jesus is coming again. He's coming for his church. And he, in the time that he has been away from us physically, says he is preparing a place of glory that we might be with him. And we don't realize that truth as perhaps somebody on their deathbed does. And so there are even joys there, aren't they? I remember visiting my mother and saying my final goodbye to her and my children all going to her bed and she, in a sense, blessed them. And it was a time of encouragement, although for me, for a son, I was in great agony of spirit and I came to her to say goodbye. We had to come back to South Carolina. And I remember she just grabbed hold of me and she says, Bert, do not grieve. You see, her eyes were on another place. And we need to, in this day and age, live in that awareness. And I say that because I believe it's for our own sakes. And God has given brothers and sisters in this family to help us meet those needs as we travel to the end of our lives, our physical lives. That's why we're important to one another. And that's why God has called the local church to be the local body of Jesus upon this earth. So my expression to you my love to you, my companionship to you, my good works to you are part of what God has brought me to fullness of life in the first place. That is his purpose. I would say this, we're studying justification by faith and perhaps there are some here today, maybe have been in the church a long time, but you never have 
clicked in this whole idea of a personal Jesus Christ, a personal Savior and Lord of life, everyday life. I, I, I beg of you to look at the scriptures, to, to be open to what the Spirit of God would say to you in the scriptures. And if you have never received Christ, the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, would you consider Jesus even today? It's life and death. I think um, how I was as a young kid, then how I was when I was getting ready to graduate from high school, I thought, man, nothing could stop me, and I actually became cool to the things of God. I was raised in a wonderful Christian home. I knew the truth of God's word. I had received Jesus, the gift of eternal life, when I was about 11, 11 years old. And somehow during those years in school and those years of growing up, so to speak, I was growing away from God. It's an easy thing to do, isn't it, in this world where we have so many responsibilities and even as adults it gets worse. And yet God in his graciousness and love never just let me go. And so I, I would just, as a young person, I would just say, you have heard the gospel presented here many times. You have heard the gospel maybe in your classroom if you attend Calvary Christian School. Yet maybe today you need to respond to that training and that precious word of God and the message of eternal life through Jesus Christ and simply understand what it means to be justified justified by faith. That's belief. That's trusting what Jesus said. Simple as that. You can't do anything. You can't be a goody-goody and get to heaven. You can't be young and restless and get to heaven apart from the saving grace of eternal God through Jesus Christ. It's faith, it's belief, it's trusting what Jesus did on Calvary meets all of God's demands. He was our substitute and he paid the penalty for my sin, my filth, my sin. And he, as I trust him, guarantees that no one, nothing at all, can ever pluck me out of the hands of Almighty God. That doesn't mean he gives us a license to live like we want. No, we are to live by the standard of God's word. And we understand from the very beginning that we cannot live it out to perfection. But God meets us because Christ shed his blood on Calvary. And that shed blood cancels sin's curse.
curse. Why, I don't fully understand. But this is the second study on uh, Paul's Galatian theme, justification by faith alone, not of works, in Christ alone. I think the song that we just heard sung expresses so beautifully that our view must be of the cross called in that song in the lyrics, the killing tree. When I first read those years ago, I didn't like that. But reality tells me I must look at that instrument of death, the killing tree and see that I went in Jesus Christ to that tree. He paid my sin, my sin's debt. He died, and then he rose again. Praise God. God has met us in such a marvelous way. Now, I am going to move away from Paul's um, uh, his approach perhaps to this because he is actually bringing argument or, or defeat to the argument that the Judaizers had and being the Jew he was the scholar he was he was able to handle himself beautifully but then we have to take into account that the Spirit of God was inspiring every word he writes so that we see the heart of God in all of this so last time when we shared in the communion service Galatians 2:20, if you could just go back or go to that verse I just want to Go back to that, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You see, that idea that I am in Christ on the cross. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, that's right now, right here, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Marvelous portion of scripture. Which expresses beautifully this doctrine of justification by faith in Christ alone. I, I just want to review a little bit of the idea of what justification by faith really is. And it just comes down to this and I've tried to write it down in a concise way with the help of uh, teachers and those who have um, much greater abilities mentally than I am. But basically justification as we see it here in the scriptures is a, a process by which an individual is brought into unmerited right relationship with God. One writer says this, justification does not encompass the whole salvation process. In other words, we are justified when we put our trust 
in Christ. But that's not the end of it. It doesn't encompass the whole salvation process. It does, however, mark that instantaneous point of entry or transformation that makes one right with God. So Christians are justified in the same way that Abraham was, and Abraham is in this third chapter as well, reflecting on Abraham, as he, he was by faith justified Which just leaves us with this, human works do not achieve or earn acceptance by God. The exercise of faith, faith alone, ushers you and I into an unmerited, that means we don't deserve it, right relationship with Almighty God. Would you look at the 16th verse with me? Chapter 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. But, or we could say, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Ought to be underlined in your Bible because there Paul is reminding us through the inspiration of the Spirit of Christ that by the law, by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So if you are pinning your hope of heaven upon your good works or how you treat others or how much things, how much you do for people or even how you respond to people. No. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now let's pick up our Bibles and move ahead. Chapter 3. And I want us to look at verses 10. I'm skipping this through about God's covenant with Abraham. Very important that we understand. And so I would just suggest you go back and study that first part of this chapter. Because it shows Abraham's belief and how that was a credit to him for personal salvation. Justification. It wasn't by anything he did. Look at what verse 6 says. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's, that's, that's the, the very basis of the doctrine that Paul puts forth of justification by faith alone. In Christ Jesus alone. Now go to, to um, verse, verses 10 through 14. And uh, before I read it I want to say this. When you are reading this through, remember the idea of substitution. That Jesus, in giving himself, gave himself for you and for me. 
our substitute. His death on the cross was as a substitute. The Lamb of God placed on the altar of the cross poured out his lifeblood for me. It was for me, the musicians started out with this morning. <clears throat> All right, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are, <coughs> excuse me, the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that, that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do, to do them. This is a, a great reality that we need to understand. That the law <clears throat> was given by the grace of God to put us in a position to recognize that we are powerless in our sin. We're lost. We're dead men. But, verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. In other words, fulfilling the law. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. That's even way back in the Old Testament in the book of Habakkuk. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. What was the promise of the Spirit? Forgiveness of sins. Everlasting life. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I want to um, look just for a little bit of time at uh, these verses and just share some thoughts that I had on them. Not in the spirit of argumentation, but, uh, uh, you know, I don't know where you stand along this whole line. If you somehow are thinking that somehow you are a Christian because you were born in a Christian home. It has nothing to do with reality, does it? Sometimes out of Christian homes come the worst demons you've ever seen living in human flesh. Has nothing to do with how you were born or where you were born or into what family into which you were born. So when we look at this whole thing, Paul is dealing now with the law and uh, he... Um, he, he gives to us these verses, and I believe he gives them not so much as a, uh, that argument that he uses 
because of the Judaizers. He's not talking like that to us. He is giving us the facts. And what I see here is a brilliant, brilliant document or treatise while it tremendously and effectively gives me the go-ahead or the understanding, the preparation as uh, I walk the Calvary Road and as I view the Calvary Road as a Christian as I look to the immediate week coming up. We start Holy Week a week from today called Palm Sunday. What we always consider to be triumphal entry wasn't so triumphal at all. But it was the coming of the Christ to reveal himself as the Lamb of God. And it begins on Sunday and then it climaxes the next Sunday in the celebration of Christ's resurrection. Which for the believer is a mighty walk that, that Roman road, so to speak. That Calvary Road in a place called Jerusalem and just outside Jerusalem and in a graveyard, our substitute taking our sin. And so it is we are going to be looking at this meaningful time and I hope that it will be a time when you Focus upon what Jesus did for you. And when we look at it, we think so often of the law. And remember, Jesus doesn't discredit the law, that which God has given to us as a standard. But Paul is teaching these people, these Judaizers, but us along the way, that the law actually was... Uh, uh, to become a, in a real sense, a curse to mankind. And you say, well, wait a minute. My Bible is made up of the law in the first part. You have to understand that God in his grace moved in the law to allow people to understand just how lost they are. And the whole sacrificial system was a substitutionary system. And the blood of the, the lambs and the sacrifices were there to, in a sense, cover the sins of many, but never doing away. And the sinners just kept on. But it was a beautiful type of what Jesus would come to fulfill. For Jesus went to the cross and became a curse for us, our substitute. So the law was uh, never intended to replace faith in, uh, in God's promise as the way of salvation. Never, never, never. There's always been only one way to be saved. Go back to Abraham. 
only one way to be saved, and it is not by keeping the law. It is by believing, by trusting in God, in Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God. So I want us to look just briefly at this, if you would. And I've just called it redemption through the cross. The first aspect of it is found in verses 10 through 12 that we just read. And I just want you to go through this quickly with me. Um, not only does the law bring blessing, because the law brings blessing and has brought blessing down through the ages as men have responded and come to God and fulfilled the the prescribed method of standing and recognizing that it is God alone who takes care of the sin problem. But it also actually imposes a curse. And I want us to understand that. And, and Paul cites Deuteronomy 27, 26 that just loosely says uh, that anyone who does not keep the law is cursed. That's scripture, folks. If you don't keep the law, you're cursed. Well, then the reality is there's not one of us who can keep the law. And you ought to be saying, uh-huh, I understand that. I cannot keep the law. I have no strength to keep the law. I am undone. I am miserable. I cannot make it to God. But that was the purpose of the law. To allow us to see that we are walking in that cursed method. It just displays us as a people who can't make it. Now some of you are saying, well, don't say that about me, Pastor. I'm making it. I'm afraid all of us stand before the cross on level ground. And I don't care what you've done in your life and with your life, apart from Jesus Christ, you cannot enter into rest. When I say rest, I mean eternal life in Jesus Christ. And Paul knew that no person could keep all of the law. And therefore, the, the logical assumption then becomes, therefore, all were under the curse. That's what the Bible teaches. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All fall short. And what's more, Paul goes on and he maintains that keeping the law was never intended to be the way to be right with Almighty God. Never. The Apostle Paul quotes Habakkuk 2.4 when he says the righteous will live by what? Faith. Old Testament applied to the inspired word of the new. And the idea of trusting God is very much present in the prophet Habakkuk's words. And so the way of the law is different from the way of faith. 
Paul quotes Leviticus 18.5. He, he points out that the law requires doing, action, doing, not trusting. You see, the law dealt with actions, our actions. <clears throat> and only if, if you could do what the law said you must do, could that person hope to gain life before God. So the law and the hopeless burden of trying to keep the law were seen to be a curse because nobody could keep the law. In that sense, the law becomes the curse. And Jesus came and he says, I came to fulfill the law. Fulfill it. And so we look, our focus then comes off the law of doing and action to Jesus and his grace and his substitutionary death. And we find that when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, the curse is lifted. And Jesus has paid our sins penalty. And so that brings me to this final thought. It's redemption through the cross. Verses 13 through 14. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, substitutionary death. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we turn from action to simple trusting. Faith in the finished work of the cross. Redemption through the cross of Christ. Now, verses 10 through 12 just offer up a, a very grim picture of our human condition. We're in trouble. But that's the purpose of the law, to show us that we are in trouble, deep trouble. Because, you see, the law requires a perfect obedience in order that I be right with God. And I cannot do it. Only one, the perfect Lamb of God, could do it. And as a man, he took upon himself my curse, your curse. And he went to the cross and he paid our penalty there. So we can't meet that high standard, consequently, or because of that, we think of Romans 3.22, or 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone in the world has become a prisoner of sin. Now, right there, go to the 22nd verse, if you would, just beyond where we are. Verse 22, listen to this. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise of faith by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that, what? Believe. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So there's redemption from the curse through the blood of the Lamb. Where everyone has become, here it says it in verse 22, a prisoner of sin. Suffering the just condemnation of the curse of the law. <laughs> when we stop and we recognize this and get this through our heads, it gives us the idea that maybe we line up with the apostles when they said in Luke 18, 26, who then can be saved? You see, as Jewish men, they were brought up in the law and obedience to the law and the concept of the curse had not been brought to this place where we see Jesus took our place. They understood. They would bring their lambs to the high priest and they'd lay their hands upon the head of that lamb while its throat was cut and the blood would flow. And somehow they could go on because that blood somehow covered their sin. What a life. What a curse. And so we have in this portion of scripture this, this, uh, this marvelous statement that I think probably went through so many Jewish um, uh, Christian communities as a kind of a, a summary of the gospel itself. Christ redeemed us from the curse, verse 13. The curse of the law by himself becoming a curse for us. You see, everything is different for those who place their trust in Christ. You see, by becoming a curse for us, he has redeemed believers from the curse of the law. Praise God for the law. For it became that which opened my eyes to the fact that I could not do it. Could not live up to the law. And Jesus came and he fulfilled all that and he took my place in sacrifice because my blood meant nothing. But Christ's blood paid for the forgiveness of sin. New life in Christ. You know, I think Paul struggled with this whole idea of the cursed one on the tree. Remember to the Jews, anybody hung on a tree, that was the cross. That was the way that criminals were taken care of in that day. Anyone who, it was from the Old Testament Cursed was that one who was hung on the tree. And here in, in Paul's very life as a dedicated, devoted, brilliant Hebrew scholar. He saw that indeed Jesus bore a curse. But not for himself. 
It was for those who would come by faith and receive what he had done on Calvary's killing tree. And moreover, the resurrection, which is to come, vindicated Christ as God's anointed. And so Jesus Christ, in his death, he broke the curse on humankind. And he provides the needed alternative. Now in Christ, and when we think of this, it's a marvelous thing. The blessing of, that God spoke to Abraham can come to God's people, Jews and Gentiles alike. And anyone who will put his or her faith in Christ will receive Christ's very spirit within their lives. And that is the experience of God in my life, in your life personally, that comes by being in that right relationship to God. How am I in that right relationship to God? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Saved ones are God's children by faith. Do you know him? Have you placed your trust and your confidence in him? This is the abundance of God's mercy and his grace to sinners who are saved by grace alone. Trusting Jesus. And so I would just urge you today, if you know Christ as your Savior, understand that you, as you even have come here today to worship, need to get your focus back to the killing tree and to the empty grave. What a glorious time of the year it is, folks. But what a time to reaffirm your faith and determine to allow God to have his way in your life. This is the only way.